Merry Christmas. Man, it is a full house here today. You all are packed in there tightly. <laughs> Merry Christmas to those of you who are in the video overflow, video overflow one, video overflow two. Merry Christmas to you guys. No, we, we can't hear you from here. That's all right. No. Uh, before we begin today's talk, I wanted to give you a little update in, in the fellowship family. Uh, you know, we live in a city that is growing. Have you experienced the growth of Dubai lately? Yeah, man, our city's growing. You know, the average global city, and actually the, the global average for population growth, is about 1%. It's about 0.8, just under 1%. Do you know that the 2040 Dubai plan has a projected 10.7% population growth annually? Ten times the average. We live in a fast-growing city. <laughs> And that's good news. We love living in such a fast-growing city, and with that fast growth comes an amazing opportunity, amazing opportunity. And so earlier this year, we were longing to be faithful to the opportunity, and in our pursuit to be faithful to the opportunity, we started pursuing our third location, Dubai Science Park. And in our conversations and in our pursuit of that third location, However, we were told by the government, encouraged to make the most out of the two permissions that we've already been given here at Two Seasons and at Creekside. And we're very grateful to God that we do have permission to meet outside the compound in these two locations. And so we want to be faithful to the opportunity to make the most out of these two locations that we've been given exceptional permission for. And so that still leaves us with our greatest challenge, which is we need more room for growth. Uh, we're really grateful to God that our services are full. They're full with video overflow. Uh, we're just full because the city's growing. The church is growing. Fellowship has grown along with Dubai. And so we want to be faithful to the opportunity with the two locations we have. So we're calling all of the church to pray, uh, giving us wisdom as a leadership team in making the most of these two locations, uh, as well as we want to hear from our church family. This is uh, discernment that we go all together in. So we've created a survey, our church growth survey. And so at the end of the service, you'll see a QR code. You'll see a website address. You want to make sure to fill that out today because we want to hear from fellowship uh, some of the options that we have. We want to see what is going to facilitate the most amount of service to the fellowship family as well as reaching people who are outside the fellowship family, making space for them. So Please, uh, you know, I think it's a great challenge for us to face. I mean, we live in a growing city. We are a growing church. Of all the problems and challenges we can have, those are pretty good challenges for us to face. <laughs> We're confident that God will lead us through this journey. And we know as much as we care about fellowship, God cares about his church. God cares about his church here at Fellowship. He cares about his church in Dubai and the UAE. He cares about his church all around the world. And so we're, we call you to join us in prayer to discern this next stage of growth and, and the best way that we can be faithful to the opportunity. In fact, let's just take a moment out and let's pray for that next stage. Father, we do ask that you would give us wisdom in how best to make use of the space that we have been given. We're so thankful. Thank you that we live in a country where we can worship in hotels and Father, we pray that you'd help us to make the most out of two seasons in Creekside. And Father, we are relying on you now more than ever because this is your church and you're the one that builds it. 
You're the one that grows it, and so we trust you. We put our trust in you. May our hearts be renewed in trust for you and your control over all things. And we pray these things in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen? Hey, I don't know if you've seen it on Netflix or not, but a lot of people watch Christmas movies this time of the year. I recently have watched the Netflix documentary about Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> have you seen that yet? About, about the, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Olympia, who has muscles growing on top of muscles, growing on top of muscles. The, the Terminator, movie star, and then political power. I mean, this guy is a powerful guy. He drives powerful cars. He smokes powerful cigars. I mean, he just exudes power. Do you know what, quote, drives him in his whole entire life? I found this fascinating from childhood, what his dad would tell him. This is what Arnold Schwarzenegger says about the secret to his success. He says, I never felt that I was good enough, strong enough, or smart enough. I never felt like I was good enough, strong enough, or smart enough. This is the Terminator talking. This is the, I'll be back, and it's not a tumor. This is, this is Arnold Schwarzenegger talking. And he doesn't feel like he's good enough, smart, strong enough, or smart enough. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like you just don't have the strength to move on? Or you face an impossible obstacle? Or the plan that you had just disintegrates? Arnold says the secret to his success when he feels insecure and powerless is to put on the schmeh, which is the, a false facade of strength in the midst of deep insecurities. When do you feel weak? When are you tempted to put up that false sense of strength? Are there times that you feel weak? Or maybe you feel so weak right now you don't even want to shake your head. <laughs> we experience this when we start to freak out a little bit and we, we open up our mobile banking app just to see how many zeros are in that bank account. And if there's enough zeros, we feel powerful. <laughs> or we think about that person we know that can unlock doors for us, that person that has a lot of WASTA, and we think, at least I still know them. Or we think to ourselves, oh, at least if I can just keep up appearances and keep smiling and no one will know what's going on. And so when people come in and they say, oh, how are you? We say, oh. I'm too blessed to be stressed. <laughs> when really we're dying inside. We're going to see today how we can truly find joy when we feel weak. And we can find a sense of peace and comfort and security when we feel weak. We're going to see today how Jesus is indeed good news for the whole world. In fact, that's what Pastor Daniel shared last week. He talked about this announcement of good news. And we were in the book of Luke, which is one of the uh, books of the Bible written about Jesus. And so we continue in Luke chapter 2, and we continue to see when the, the angels proclaim to shepherds, they say, Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. You see this, when they declared good news, and they said, Good news! That term was a very common term. It was actually a very familiar term. It wasn't a term associated with 
the, the promised ruler of God's people. It wasn't even a religious term. It was actually a political term. Euangelion, uh, a term for good news, was attributed to Julius Caesar. Most people, when they would hear good news, would hear uh, that this mighty ruler, Julius Caesar, has won a decisive victory far off, bringing peace to us now. And see, he, he was this grand uh, military leader. He was this grand leader. In fact, his name wasn't uh, Augustus. His name was Octavian before, but they changed his name to Augustus, which means the exalted one, uh, because of his military victories that brought peace to the known world. And so when people would talk about good news, euangelion in the Greek, when they would talk about euangelion, they would go, oh, yeah, peace. Peace about this victory of a ruler far off that has brought peace to us here. Although we see in the angel's announcement to the shepherds, you see that the good news, the proclamation of good news and peace is actually not about Julius Caesar. No, it's not about a a ruler. It's about the ruler of rulers, the king of kings. It says, for unto you is born, in verse 11, this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the king. They're saying this good news that has come, uh, this victory, this ruler that is here is Christ the king. Christ, the the promised rescuing ruler of God's people all throughout the ancient scriptures, all the prophecies pointed to God's promise of a rescuing ruler. This promise of somebody that would come and would deliver God's people. You see, in the beginning of the scriptures, tells about this problem of sin and human rebellion. And then it moves on to how people tried to do what was right in their own eyes. And society fell apart. And so there was this king and a series of kings. And they were either really, really good kings that would die or they were bad kings and they would die. And so the only king that could ever fulfill God's promise was one that lived forever and was perfectly good. And this promised king, this king was promised, this rescuing ruler was promised, and then all of a sudden, God goes silent. For 400 years, his people wait. And they wait. Until this moment where the angel then has this announcement to the shepherds. And as the angels tell the shepherds, hey, good news is here. Christ the Lord, this promised rescuing ruler, he has come. Well, when the angels in verse 15, it continues on. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. You see, God had made known to them in the moment his promise was fulfilled with the birth of Jesus. All throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the ancient scriptures, there was this promise, this promised leader. This promised leader that was a a rescuing ruler in Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. A lot of times we read Isaiah 9, 6. And just look at the names that are attributed to this Rescuing ruler, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Verse 7 in Isaiah 9 continues, of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. 
on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this, or the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. There was this promised one, the anointed one of the Lord that was promised all throughout history that God's people had been waiting on. This anointed of the Lord and the anointing of the Lord, the anointed one of the Lord all throughout the Old Testament, it was applied to either a prophet, a priest, or a king. Do you know which one Jesus was? All. He was all. He was prophet, priest, and king. We see in 1 Kings 19 that uh, Elijah anointed Elisha to succeed him as prophet. If you're unfamiliar with the story, just Google 1 Kings 19 and you can read the story for yourself. We see that Aaron was anointed as the first high priest in Leviticus. In 1 Samuel, Samuel anointed kings Saul and David. And we see in Isaiah 42 and 61 that this idea of a Messiah was chosen by God to redeem God's people, this awaited ultimate ruler. Because as great as other leaders and other prophets and other priests and other kings were in the scriptures, there was never one that was perfect and eternal. And so God's people wait. For 400 years, they wait. God seemed silent. And they were reminded by facing injustice. They were reminded by facing turmoil about their own powerlessness. Waiting for God to show his power. What do you do when you feel weak? When you're waiting? And, and maybe you're waiting right now for God to show his power. I don't think any of us in this room have been waiting for 400 years. <laughs> Sometimes it can seem that way, can't it? You're like, God, show your power. God, waiting, to, when we feel weak, we don't like to feel weak. But when we feel weak, a lot of times uh, we try to create power or find power. What do you do when you feel weak? Maybe it's some of these. Maybe you work, uh, you look for a powerful political leader. You think, oh, if only that person would get appointed as leader in my home country, then my country is going to be okay. Or you fret if the person you you think should be ruling in your home country isn't ruling. And you think, oh, I'm really glad I don't live there because now it's going to get worse. Or maybe it's a powerful national people where you think, well, you know what? My country or our culture or the, the values we have, you know what, that, that if things don't work here, I can go back to my home country and, and our, our nation is going to get better. And so you look for power in, in national people. Or maybe you work out a powerful plan. Maybe living here in Dubai is part of your powerful plan. <laughs> but if you've lived here long enough... Do things always go according to plan? No. No, they don't. The only thing that we can plan on is that we can't plan on anything 100%. 
All right? so, and even that powerful plan, the only power behind your plan, it, the, your plan is only as powerful as the one making the plan. And if you feel weak creating a plan when you feel powerless, guess what? The, that plan isn't really powerful. So sometimes if we know the plan doesn't work out, then we say, okay, maybe it's a powerful connection or relationship. Oh, that if we can get close to someone or be in a relationship with someone that knows someone that knows someone, ooh, then we kind of feel the power of Wasta rub off. Like, oh, ooh, the CEO's in town? Ooh, let me make sure that they see that I am a great employee. Or you meet someone powerful and you're like, oh, can we exchange numbers? Or, hey, I friended you on LinkedIn. Or it, it, We're looking for that contact. The problem with that is that that sense of power is only as good as the person you know stays in power. Or if you have the contact of someone who's in power and you lose the contact of that person in power, your power it just evaporates. So you think, okay, maybe that's not, maybe it's a power in, a, in history or lineage. And you think, you know, if plans abroad don't work out, at least I can go back to my family or I can go back to my tribe or I can go back to where I come from. And if I go back to my roots, oh, there's a lot of security and power in that. Like if you're from Kenya and you have Kenyatta in your name, you know, okay, I don't have to worry about anything, right? But... If, but there's a problem if you look back on your history and your lineage. Your power is only as good as your family name can stay honorable. It takes one scandal. It takes one shameful event. And all of a sudden, your power, it evaporates. And so maybe that's why you moved abroad and you're living abroad and you think, if only I can go abroad and make money, I can have a powerful bank account. Anybody have a powerful bank account here? And you think, if only I can get just a little more zeros in the bank account, I'll be a little more powerful. But you see, there's a problem. Even if you talk with someone that has twice as much in their account as you do, they'll tell you the same thing. When it comes to the amount of zeros you have, in order to feel powerful, you only need one more zero. Then you'll feel powerful. It doesn't matter. In fact, I talked to somebody two weeks ago, and this person had many zeros in their bank account, and now they only have one. And they said, you know what? I used to not worry about anything. I used to feel powerful. I used to not fret or fear at all. But then... The job I'm working now, I got off of work. I didn't even have money for the taxi ride back home. I had to ask total strangers to help me out to get a ride home. I've never felt so powerless in my life. That's what happens when we put trust in zeros. Our ultimate power is nothing. And so as we look for true power, as we look for this true sense of peace and stability and comfort to saturate the deepest parts of who we are, we know that we're left searching for power that's outside of ourselves, which is why Jesus is such good news. Because he is the king of kings. In fact, that's why we're talking about how the birth of Jesus is good news. In this series called Joy to the Whole World, we're talking about how Jesus is good news to the whole world in different cultural lenses. 
right? Because every culture has different filters on it, three different filters, innocence, guilt, honor, shame, and power, fear. Every culture is a, a mix of the three, but some cultures are higher than others. Daniel last week talked about innocence, guilt, how Jesus has paid the price for our guilt and declares us innocent. That's good news, is it not? Yeah. Or if, it's, if you're from a more honor-shame-oriented culture, Jesus has covered our shame and he presents us honorable to our Father. That's good news, amen? But today we're talking about the power-fear dynamic of culture where Jesus has proven power over sin and death. So we don't have to fear death any longer. That's good news, amen? And we see that it's good news, not just because the Bible tells us, but because it's actually God's fulfillment of a rescuing ruler. Anybody can promise big, only God can deliver big. Here's God's fulfillment of a rescuing ruler. Just look at their response, the shepherd's response in Luke 2, when they realize the rescuing ruler has indeed come. It says, they went with haste. And found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. With haste meaning not that they did so in a way that's hasty, but that they went with haste. They let nothing else distract them from the most important priority they had, which was to go and to see this. And they saw this short-term promise of a baby lying in an animal feeding trough in the middle of nowhere. They saw this baby God, the angels had promised, this is what you'll find. They found it so they knew the short-term fulfillment of a short-term prophecy (laughs) continues to fuel hope for a long-term promise of a long-term prophecy. God's rescuing ruler has come. And when they saw it, they made known to everybody. They told everybody the saying that had been told them concerning this child. They said, this is it. This rescuing ruler has come. The angels told us that this is good news about Christ the Lord. The Messiah is here. The rescuing ruler, God's rescue plan has been enacted. His 400 years of seeming silence has now ended because of the greatest declaration God has made to us is God with us. Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus of Nazareth was and is the prophesied Messiah. In John 20, it says that these miracles are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah? Well, guess what? You have life in his name. Jesus of Nazareth in Matthew, it says, the Messiah, the son of the living God. Do you believe it? The king has come. In Acts 10, it says that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. Authority has been given to Jesus, the Messiah, and he has come. Not only has he come, but he has been given authority over the whole world. And so when we submit our lives to him and when we say, no, it's it's not what I want, it's what you want. No, it's not me wearing the crown, it's you. Then that's when we have joy to the whole world. And if you've come here today and you would say, I don't know if 
Jesus is my king. I don't really believe that. I'm just still sorting things out. I, I encourage you, continue to ask questions. Continue to look for answers. Because when we try and usurp the authority that Jesus has, and we try and cram his crown onto our head, we will always be doing and never done, constantly seeking our own security. Our biggest problem of sin will lead us into death and darkness, eternal separation from God. And the best we could hope for would be death. But with Jesus reigning and ruling in our lives, we have life. When we surrender that crown and we say, Jesus, you are king, you are reigning and ruling, I simply want to follow you, then we have life. And just look at the difference. Because if that's you, if you feel right now, oh man, I've been leading my whole life, I've been the boss of my life, I want to tell you, make today the day that you say, no, Jesus is the boss of my life. We'll have a team over here, would love to answer any questions that you have after the service. But for many of us, we would say Jesus is our king. Amen? And just look at our king. Just look at this. In, in Ephesians, it, it talks to us. And this is so exciting. Just look in Ephesians. It says this. Uh, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Get this far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. Far above some of the rule and authority. No, far above how much? All. All. And above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put some things under his feet? No, he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to who? The church. We, we have been given Christ the king. We have been given this king to reign and rule as the one who has all things under his name. We have been given to the church, his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That is our king. That is our king. Look in Philippians. Look in Philippians what it says. It says, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So at the end, so at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The King has come. Do you know him? Does he reign and rule in your life, bringing peace and comfort? Because the King has come, and the King is coming again. The king is coming again, and Revelation 19 talks about uh, this name of Je that Jesus has on his thigh. His name is written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. There is no name higher and no name greater. The rescuing ruler has come. Do you know him? 
Do you know him? If you know him, you submit your life to him and you have this joy that we're talking about. You have, you know, joy to the whole world. You know the depth of that joy. The rescuing ruler is reigning in our lives. We have a peace that passes understanding. We have comfort in the midst of hardship. We have security that's beyond ourselves. All because our greatest problem, sin, has been done away with. Jesus has conquered sin and death. And so we simply hear good news of his victory and we align ourselves with him. And a lot of times during the Christmas season, we get wrapped up in Christmas songs and we get wrapped up in Christmas goodies and Christmas schedules and Christmas trees. But let's not lose sight of Jesus who is with us all year round, who reigns and rules all year round. I love the quote from artist KB and No Big Deal in their song, King Jesus. They said, people don't care you keep Christ in your Christmas if they cannot see that there's Christ in the Christian. Does everyone around you see Jesus reigning and ruling in every area of your life? When we know that Jesus is king, the one that conquered sin and death, the one that we follow. When we get wrap our my, tiny little brains around this absolutely gigantic reality, our response to the rescuing ruler is one to be amazed and to praise. It's one of the amazed and praise. In fact, that's what the shepherds do. We see in Luke. We see in Luke the shepherds. They amaze and praise. Just look at the response of the shepherds. It says, And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. I love that word, wondered or amazed. Amazed is a key term in the book of Luke. In fact, if you start reading the book of Luke today, read two chapters of the book of Luke a day for this whole season between now and Christmas, and you'll cover a grand swath of the story of Jesus, and you'll get to know this king. Just two chapters a day. Amazed, it's used 13 times in the book of Luke. It means to be extraordinarily impressed or extraordinarily distressed by something. When we are extraordinarily distressed by something, we go, whoa. When we're extraordinarily impressed by something, we say, wow. So when are those times when you have woe and wow moments with God? When do you respond with amazement at our amazing God? And I have to qualify the word amazing a little bit because as an American, I know Americans have a reputation. We think everything is amazing. We do. We think everything is amazing and it's awesome. And, and so it's just the best ever. Like that taxi ride that I had this week, it was amazing. That new metro line, that new metro is amazing. The coffee that I had out of the coffee machine today, guess what? It was 
It was. I don't mean this in an American way. I mean this in a biblical way for the whole world. Jesus truly is amazing. We can be extraordinarily disturbed sometimes as we follow Jesus and we have these woe moments. When is the last time you had a woe moment? Like you're, you're reading the Bible and you see God paint a picture of a follower of Jesus and you go, whoa, that, that's not me. My life doesn't look like that. That's, my life looks the opposite like that. Or maybe you know already you have these woe moments of conviction where your heavenly father is calling you and you say, I know it, Jesus, you can reign and rule in every area of my life, but you can't touch my bank account. <laughs> Jesus, you can reign in every area of my life, but you can't have control over my internet viewing. God, you can have control over everywhere in my life except for the way I run my business, the way that I have my relationships, who I go on dates with, whatever it is. When were those times when we had these woe moments and where God showed us, hey, there's still another area of your life to entrust to Jesus and his reign and his rule? We have these woe moments. When is the last time you had a wow moment? You had a wow moment of like, God, I can't believe this. This is great. Wow. And let's, let's be real for a second. It takes a lot to wow us sometimes, doesn't it? I mean, we live in a city of wow. Like you go away for a holiday and you come back and there's a building that somebody built on your way back. And when you first move here, you hear of something that's the biggest, the fastest, the, the deepest, whatever. And are, when you first move here, what's your response? Yeah. But now you go out for a couple of weeks, you come back, and there's a skyscraper built out of nothing. And if you've lived here a while, what's your response? <laughs> Meh. <laughs> May our relationship with the creator and sustainer of the world be marked by wow and not meh. May we be so wrapped up in how good God has been to us that, that he, the king has come and that Jesus is reigning and ruling that our lives have been transformed from death into life that we would have these wow moments. And if we truly have wow and woe moments, those moments don't just stay quiet in our hearts. I mean, if we really get these woe and wow moments, no, it just bubbles up out of us, doesn't it? Like, wow, you, you should have seen the new Metro. Wow, this coffee I had was amazing. Wow, you're like, if it's truly amazing, we're just going to talk about it, aren't we? Wow, God has given me a new appreciation for what it means to follow Jesus. Wow, God has transformed me. He's given me hope. He's given me peace. And it just results in praise, which is what happened with the shepherds. Look, it says that they returned glorifying, making God a priority, making God heavy in your life, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard as it had been told them. Their response was praising God. You know what praising God means in the Bible? Praising God isn't just something we say like, praise the Lord. No, <laughs> praising God means telling others how good God is. That's what, that's what the biblical idea of praising God means, telling other people these woe and wow moments that we have because of Jesus, and we simply share. 
May we be marked this season by praising God in these woe and wow moments. Because then, not only will this joy to the whole world be in our hearts, but God will use us to share it with others that have woe and wow moments with Jesus as well. And sometimes this can be incredibly tricky, and sometimes it can feel um, like you don't know what to do, but you know what? As you follow Jesus, Jesus will show you the next step, next step, next step of what it means to follow him. There was a couple uh, at our other location, Creekside, that heard this message last week at the first service. Uh, Melvin and Stella is their, is their name. They love each other. Aren't they a cute couple? Aww. You can just see they just love each other. And they're both followers of Jesus. They both love Jesus. They're from India. And, and they came uh, a while ago and they said, hey, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do because we really want to get married. We are trying so hard, and praise God, he's been faithful. We want to remain pure until our wedding day. We want to get married, but we're burning with passion. We know what the Bible says. We're really trying to do the right thing. It's really hard. But Melvin's family back in India, they do not approve of Stella and him marrying Stella. And they have said, no, you cannot marry Stella. So they said, so how do we honor our mother and father and do we get married or not? You're really interested in what they did, didn't you? <laughs> well, after a lot of prayer and a lot of conversation, and they talked with other followers of Jesus, and we searched the Bible together, they realized, you know what? Jesus is king of our lives, even over our culture. And so we're going to get married. And so all the pastoral staff got in and we had this wedding. And it was this grand opportunity for them to follow Jesus, even when their culture says no. With Jesus as their king, they say, Jesus, you are a king. We are going to follow you at all costs. But that's not the wow moment. The wow moment happened a, a year later, which is when they came up to me last week. They've been married about a year. And, and they came up to me and they said, listen, we have a wow moment. We just have to share what God has done. I said, I, said, I know, you're, you're newlyweds. Every moment's a wow moment, right? <laughs> but, but they said, no, no, no. Melvin's family had contacted them. Melvin's family had just spent time with Melvin and Stella. And Melvin's parents had said, listen, we have to confess to you. We were stone-hearted against Stella. We're sorry that we opposed the wedding. In fact, we want to fly you guys back to India and have a proper wedding because she's a part of our family. And there's so many other stories about how following Jesus uh, against, all, against all sorts of influences, uh, we are amazed and we praise God. So this week, let's go out. Let's go out and be amazed and praise God for our rescuing ruler. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this reminder in your word that King Jesus is on the throne. We know that we try and do things on our own. In fact, we confess to you our own sinful hearts to try and do things on our own when we feel weak and powerless. Father, we repent now having maybe a woe moment with you that 
King Jesus doesn't reign and rule over every aspect of our lives. And with the same breath, we also praise you to others, knowing that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. But he didn't stay dead, that he conquered death. So show us these wow moments of you at work for your glory. Show us these moments so that we can be continually amazed and that we can tell others about you. We thank you for giving us King Jesus. And it's in the name that is above every name, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's in his name that we pray today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's sing.